Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. One of the few positive aspects of the pandemic was the decrease of air pollution. As we flew less around the world and stopped our daily commute, scientists noticed a huge drop. However, as we are slowly getting back to a new normal, it's vital to continue to think about how our daily lives affect the planet we live on. One of the main contributors to climate change is the fashion industry, unfortunately. Personally, I love expressing myself with the clothes I'm wearing, but the last few years I've become very mindful of my shopping habits and where I get my clothes from. More importantly, I've educated myself on who makes the clothes I'm wearing and how climate change and feminism is linked together. To help me raise this major topic, I've invited Jess, who runs sustainable fashion brand Ilkin Ernie. We sat down in a studio in Brighton to discuss the difference between ethical and sustainable fashion, about the importance of being involved in the production of the clothes she designs about calling out other problematic brands and how we can change our attitudes to shopping in order to fight climate changes. It's an honest and eye-opening conversation that I hope that you will enjoy as much as I did. If you do, please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. The music you're about to hear is by the wonderful Tilda Alley. My name is Fanny Beckman and this is Women of My Generation. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me to You're your welcome. studio. I just said that it's such a nice setup. We have coffee, tea, waffles. Yeah, I've just realised I've like stuffed waffle in my mouth while I'm <laughs> yeah. as soon as you press record. <laughs> well, that's the way it should be here. It's <laughs> a nice and relaxed conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just amazed by your studio space, to be honest. Um, oh, thank you. It's so, so nice. And you run the uh, brand Ilkanani. Yes. And I would obviously love to talk um, to you about everything about like your brand and who you are. And so could you just explain a bit like how it all started? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I worked in fashion for years. That's kind of how my career started out. Um, my first job was actually at Topshop. Mm. Um, as a visual merchandiser I worked in their head office um, so that was actually what kind of got me onto fast fashion I mean it, it's been around a long time but like when it was really starting to 
take off and have quite a massive impact on the industry. That was probably just over 10 years ago or so now. And I just, it just blew my mind like how insanely busy Oxford Circus was. That was the store that I was based in. Oh, wow. That's yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at, as a VM, I don't know if most people know about what visual merchandising is, but you're basically in charge of sort of dressing the mannequins, putting the collections together, window displays, all that kind of stuff. And our offices were in head office upstairs for Topshop. And just the vast amount of stock that came in and out of that building on like a daily basis was kind of crazy. And, and we had to constantly change up the store for people's interest. And there was a lot of pressure on us to kind of keep things fresh and interesting and drive sales and all this kind of stuff. And it just really kind of opened my eyes to how just mad fashion was and retail particularly, just how much we were buying as people. And I was definitely guilty of it. I think everyone's gone through phases where they've been guilty of just feeling like they always need more in terms of fashion or you know you haven't got anything new like that that whole kind of attitude towards going out and having a new dress for that weekend and all that kind of stuff I don't think we have ever really until now made that connection in terms of our relationship with fashion and and clothes and how we've been accustomed um to think and feel about clothing and Mm. that it's you know it's a momentary thing rather than something that you would keep for years and yeah. you know and that's that's what's essentially made the industry and people waste wasteful with fashion mm. um so anyway yeah I was at Topshop for a bit and I ended up doing various jobs after that in fashion I kind of worked as a stylist and I worked in PR and various other things but I just never really like I it's a weird one like I loved fashion so much like I obviously I I had a massive love for it otherwise I wouldn't have been in the industry but at the time and I think actually now fashion's changed a lot but it was just an incredibly cutthroat mean space yeah. like you know and I've always said this but I feel like creative industries in general like there needs to be more space for like mm-hmm. celebrating each other's ambitions and talents and mm creativity rather than like squandering it and it feeling like you're just constantly in competition with your peers and and it that was that was my experience of it I had awful managers I actually got told by a manager once that I was too nice to work in fashion and I just found that really Really? yeah because I was being on soft and on one of my um I was managing someone at the time and they were going through quite a difficult time and apparently I'd just been too soft on this person and I just remember just be feeling like, where's the fucking humanity? Yeah, yeah. Like, why why are we like this, mm. you know? And I feel like there's this bar that's set in the industry and the only way to survive is just to be mean to each other. And, and, and there was no, like, I just, it all just felt very dishonest and very, like, you just didn't feel like you could ever trust people and friends that you did have. Were they your friends, you know? And I just mm. hated it. I just felt so... And it was really sad because I... I'd wanted it for so long and then I was in it and it just it just nothing sat with me and that's why I tried so many different jobs as well I was just like maybe it's just the area I'm working in let's try something else Mm -hmm. but it just got to the point where I was miserable so and it was actually working in PR that was what that was my last job and I got really badly mugged walking home one night from a party on like early hours of a Sunday morning Mm. and um I ended up with sort of ambulance 
in my house and yeah I was, it was really bad and I had my sort of arm in a sling and I remember calling in to the office on the Monday and just being like you know I have got mugged at the weekend and I, I'm still in quite a bad state so if it's okay I'm not going to come into work today and I basically got told by my manager at the time that this office doesn't run without you so if you're not on your desk by 10am you're fired no way yeah that, and I was just like beside myself like mm so upset like just you know that I was being treated like that more than anything but mm. I remember phoning my dad and sort of wailing down the phone to him and he was like oh just just please don't go back to that job like yeah. I'll never forgive you if you walk back through that door like you you deserve better than this like mm-hmm. I don't want this for you sort of thing mm. so I quit my job and that was the last job I had in fashion and that was how old was I then I think I was 27 mm-hmm so it was a, a few years ago, probably about five years ago. Mm. And then I spent a couple of years of working in admin roles, just temping. Yeah. I just didn't know what to do with my life after mm-hmm. that. Because I was like, I, I, you know, I need to figure something else out. And started working PA roles and stuff in like, mm. you know, music, like record labels. I was Simon Cowell's PA for like six oh, okay. months. Very yeah. strange time. <laughs> didn't, didn't really get like that very much. Mm. He's a nice person. Mm-hmm. He's just... Uh, it was just I just I don't know why I was a PA to start with you know when you just suddenly find yourself in a job and you're like how did I get here yeah. <laughs> it was very strange but you know I was just bouncing around jobs with no stability at all and I, I think I just got to the point where I was like I need to make a serious change to mm-hmm. my life because mm. I was quite depressed by that point as well so I ended up just doing the classic and booking, booking a one-way flight to India like just desperately wow. like I was like I just need to have an adventure I need to get out of London I'd been there for like about eight years at that point and I just needed a change like I really needed a change for my own sort of health really so yeah I booked a ticket and I went and it's like the best it's the best decision I ever made I was there for like four months but and I did a lot of traveling I met a lot of amazing people and I started you know drawing and designing again which I hadn't done in a really long time and you know, like while I was out there, I just kept getting told, you know, India is actually quite a good place to get stuff made. Um, and I was already quite like turned on to sustainability at that point. So yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it was always in your mind sustainability. I or, think so. Mm-hmm. Just in the it's just in the sense that I mean, especially when you go to somewhere like India, you see so much poverty. Mm. You know, you see children working and things like that, and it, it was just very raw, very like emotionally raw. And I was like, well, if I'm going to work in a country like this. I can't be play part play a part in anything like this. You know, it was really important to me that I was yeah. very. Uh, I had a relationship with whoever I was going to work with, and at that point, I had no idea. But I was like, absolutely no sweatshops. This has to be done right. Like, but you know, I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no plan at all. I didn't go to India planning to come home with a business. That just happened. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I ended up just kind of going around and asking about various places my cousin set me up with a friend of his who was working in Delhi who had a little fashion label who you know took me out with him and his team and I ended up becoming quite friendly with some of the people that worked for him and they were the people that actually ended up introducing me to surplus fabric and taking me to a fashion market and just being like this this is the kind of you know like teaching me about it and Mm -hmm. I was I didn't realize at that point like how insanely lucky I was to have met those people Mm -hmm. and for them to turn me on to kind of that way of using fabric and stuff because it's it's quite hard to like come across a good contacts 
in that respect, but like people that are also willing to teach you because mm. that's another thing with fashion. Quite often, I think people aren't willing to give you their, you know, their insight and their knowledge okay. because mm. you're a competitor or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was amazing. And, and uh, you know, I then spent almost a month in Delhi working and, and designing and mm. I was introduced to Sam through someone at uh, through I actually met my fabric supplier first before I met Sam and I was saying to him I want to find a ethical factory and it's really important to me and so he set up this meeting and then I met Sam and I suppose the rest is history there's been a, there's been mm. a lot that's happened between then and now but Sam is the one that you're working with in India Sam right is now. yeah I had a brief moment where I left working with Sam um and I moved my I moved to a factory in Pushka, which is uh six hours south of Delhi. Okay. Because I just didn't want to work in Delhi anymore. Mm. I was really struggling with like the pollution, the noise, the craziness. Pushka's this beautiful little um town in the desert in in India and it's just such a nice vibe down there and, and I, I would spend so much time there anyway that it made sense to be working there. Um but So you actually started Ilkanani on that trip? Yes. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it's mad. And then I sort of came home and I was like, I need to fund this. Mm -hmm. How am I going to fund this? Mm. My dad had, had had fronted the you know the first few thousand or whatever. I just called him from. I think he was just so relieved that I had some kind of plan. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was like almost thirty at this point. Mm. I was like twenty eight, whatever. And he was like, oh, you know, as any parent would, like, what is my daughter planning to do with her life? This mm. is quite scary. So I've, when I phoned him from India, I was like, I'm going to make some clothes. Like, he was so supportive of that. My dad is like a major entrepreneur anyway. Mm -hmm. And he's always said he wanted to see me start my own business. Mm -hmm. So it really excited him. And then I just got home and figured funding out. Did some little course with the Prince Trust, which is like oh, yeah. a charity. So good. Yeah, I got I like, them. got five grand, which mm -hmm. actually, I think it was four grand. Mm -hmm. Really wasn't like, I look at that now and I'm like, that's nothing mm -hmm. to make clothes with or start a business on but yeah and, and I suppose it's just kind of been going from then mm. on and off I think like uh, Princess Trust also like kind of gave you maybe the confidence that you needed mm. at that point like that they believed in your business and that yeah. means a lot and it's a challenge as well because you have to you have to do like really thorough business plan and you have to learn a lot about business on the course and you've got to present to the board of trustees and stuff mm. And they decide then and there if you're actually worth investing in. Yeah. So it's quite a scary thing, but it's important. It's like, you know, it's a good lesson to learn in terms of business. Mm. I think this is really inspiring because I, I think we live in a day and time now where a lot of people think that they have to know exactly what they need to do in the future. Mm. And, you know, it's, as you said, especially in the fashion industry, it's very competitive. So I think it's really inspiring to hear that it kind of just happened for you and look at you now, you have this amazing yeah. business, it's going really well. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, it's good. Like, I think, I think when you're in your 20s, whether you, you know, you come out of university or whatever and you're like, I'm doing this, you can always pursue that. But at some point, I think it's more common at some point that you then change your mind on that and like your path changes directions and stuff. Mm. I don't think that's uncommon. Mm. So, you know, it happened to me later, like in my late 20s. And I think for a long time I was really just resisting, you know, what I wanted to do mm. and what I needed from life. And that was to be able to be my own boss, which is, I realized is so important to me. I, I'm 
I really don't know how else to be now. It would be really strange to me if Ilkanoni didn't work out and I'd have to go back being managed by someone else because I think I'm quite headstrong now in terms of business. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. But I think... Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> no, I just wanted to go back a bit. And, mm. You know, you mentioned Sam and, you know, how important it is for you to have a good relationship with people in, mm. that you work with in India as well. You said that you go there every year when it's not COVID. Yeah. Of course, uh, and um, it's really showing through the way you work and you have this, you have a blog and you have a newsletter where you mm. send out, like, information about your brand and... Uh, obviously pictures of your clothes and all of that but you also have this other side which is very unique I think that you introduce everyone you're working with and it makes it really personal and I yeah so I just want to talk to you about like the actual sustainability where does that come in what yeah. does sustainable fashion mean to you yeah I mean I think it's like it's something that people are still trying to figure out and understand I mm. think from an outsider's perspective because to first of all i think it's like from my point of view i think sustainability and ethical manufacturing are two separate things okay so for me everything that's ethical to do with my business was the thing that i was rooting for from the start which is that the people that work for me are going to be cared for they're going to have safe a safe environment to work from mm. they're going to be on fair wages um and and generally taken care of so that's for me, that was like the standard of which um, people were kind of existing within like the Ilkanerni mm. workforce. So I'm really, really passionate about garment workers and their rights and, you know, this industry that we all love so much, you know, the clothes on our back don't exist without these people, yeah. yet they're so poorly treated and manipulated and... Um, you know, like I, this, it's t like the industry can be incredibly corrupt when it comes to garment workers, and you know, they are like the crux of this industry. Without them, clothing would cease to exist, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. And yet they're they're so undervalued, and it really, it's like really upsetting that we are still at that like that that we've been conditioned to not even think about the people that are behind the clothes that mm. we wear on mm. our backs. And um, I, you know, when I came back from India for the first, this was 2016, like end of 2016. Okay. And, um, you know, I was talking to people about, you know, I've started this brand and it's, you know, everything's ethically made and I use this surplus fabric so I don't produce fabric. And people just looked at me like I was like crazy or like mm. some mad hippie with a new concept. Mm -hmm. mm. Like no one cared, like no one cared about sustainability. And it was infuriating because I was like, but this should be such an important aspect of my business. Like, is this not, I, I just couldn't understand why people didn't care about yeah. it. And really, it's only been in the last two or three years that we've seen people switch onto it, that's being spoken about more in public, that people are being made, you know, are being held accountable. Because, uh, like, for years, for decades, companies haven't had to be transparent at all about the people working for their business. Mm. And it's it's kind of crazy that it's gone on for this long. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, my team in India mean a lot to me, and Sam means a lot to me, the guy that runs my factory. So that, to me, is the ethical side of my business. Yeah. That's, and that even comes down to the people that work in the UK for me, so the people that, you know, work here for Ilkanerni, like, anyone that works within the business, it's very, very important to me that they're happy. Mm. 
are cared for, they're treated yeah. with respect, mm. you know, uh, that everyone's on a level. So yeah, of course. So that's like the ethical part. Yeah, and then, and then sustainability. Mm. So the sustainability for me is like the effect that your business is having on the planet. Mm-hmm. And sustainability is a really funny term that's being thrown. I feel it's really thrown around a lot with other, with a lot of businesses, mm-hmm. um, not just in fashion, just everywhere. But sustainability is also it's it's being able to sustain a way that you're working i mean that's what sustainability is so nobody can claim to be 100 percent sustainable if you are a business that is manufacturing or you know pumping fumes into the earth from cotton mills or Mm. you know using thousands of liters of water to produce fabric worldwide every year i mean we're all we all need to just be doing our best. So I don't think anyone can claim to be 100% sustainable. I know there's a lot of certifications and stuff out there, some businesses that are doing a really fucking good job. Yeah. Like, you know, Patagonia and stuff of of being as sustainable as they possibly can be. But sustainability at the end of the day, I think is a journey, especially as a business. So more than anything else, it's kind of, in my mind, what are you doing to to better the planet in the terms of the way that you are working. Yeah. So for me, Ilkanoni doesn't produce any fabric. Mm. So we only use surplus fabric. So essentially a lot of the fabric that I buy to make our clothes with um, is fabric waste left from much bigger fashion brands. So we get a lot of fabric from Gap, for example. Okay. Um, yeah, so a lot of their fabric waste. And these, you know, these big fashion houses, they could produce thousands of metres of a print of fabric mm. and then just last minute change their mind on the colour or the fabric that they've used and they just get rid of it. And a lot of the time, this is why a fabric like this ends up in landfill, which is just crazy because we're burying this stuff in the ground. And quite often it's not cotton, it's like poly-made fabrics, it's fabrics made of plastic that don't, don't de- degrade or break okay. down. So it's why it's important, I think, for that fabric to be reused some other way. So that's what I was introduced to when I went to India, and that was just a, a, like a light bulb for me moment where I was just like, this is what I can do. Mm. Um, so in terms of what Ilkanoni kind of puts out into the atmosphere, I feel like that's like a really important part of our business and the sustainability. Obviously, the downside is that my factory is in India and I'm here. Mm. So, you know that's we have you know we have to take into account shipping and things like that our clothes traveling across the world we do only release two collections a year um most companies like high street chains they release 52 collections a year really on average yeah that's crazy yeah so it's like every couple of weeks or once a week yeah Yeah, it's mad Mm. so we only bring up two collections a year um we produce everything in quite limited runs a lot of that is also down to the fact that however much fabric we buy is how much we can make mm. so is there actually a limit to what we can make as well but I think that's good because it makes our stuff kind of more one of a kind it's yeah. challenging yeah. because you're always trying to source more surplus fabric and for me it's not just finding fabric it's trying to find good quality fabric and there have definitely been moments where we've made stuff out of fabric that's just not been great mm-hmm. and those have been lesson- learning lessons for me because you know you're making stuff and it's it's thin or it's tearing and that can be really frustrating. But mm. this is all stuff that I've kind of been learning as I've been growing my business. I now have the most incredible fabric supplier mm. who I just get beautiful fabric from and the quality is amazing. So that's like really good, I think, yeah. in terms of 
um, how our business can be kind of doing our part with that. Mm. But I think it's just, um, I think it's, it can even be down to like the, the, you know, the stationery you're using. And so all of our orders are sent out in recycled tissue paper with recycled stickers and recycled bags with postcards that can be recycled and on the back of the postcards it tells people how to dispose of their packaging and you know it's all it can even just be simple stuff like that you know our return slips are printed on recycled paper it's just all of that kind of thing it's like how can I be doing my bit as a business Mm. you know because you know global warming is a real thing and we you know and however way you look at fashion fashion is not good for the planet you know it's just not so we the least we can do is as as businesses working in the industry is try to do better in the way that we're producing things yeah um 100 and you know it sounds like you've done loads of research around this but also you're educating others like i said you had the blog and the newsletter i've learned a lot through that as well so i think that's That's incredible nice to hear (laughs) that's so nice because you obviously like you'll put it you'll you know, you're bombard. Well, not, I don't really bombard people in our <laughs> mailing list, but no. they'll be lucky if they get like two emails a week from our <laughs> from our mailing list. But like, I it's really important to me that that as a mailing list, we're not just using it as a space to sell, because mm. obviously that is also what your mailing list exists for. But we're quite big on our like community, so in our mailing list we do a lot of private sales as you probably know we do like exclusive discounts they get access to you know last chance Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff Mm. which is cool but then it's also for me it's like we can't just be another fashion brand selling like we have to be part of the conversation and trying to educate people on what we view sustainability as and even if it's just you know it's not to say that we're the experts necessarily or you know, I think I was saying to you before we start recording that a lot of the work that, like goes into our blogs is quite intense, and mm-hmm. you know we want to make sure that we're educating people in the right way and that we're backing up the things that we're saying and stuff yeah. like that. So mm-hmm. it can be a sort of three people working on mm-hmm. one blog together kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but I think that you you know you, you, it's so important that you educate your audience, and as a small business, we are more in touch with our audience you know it that that's the thing a small a small businesses are so much more accessible than bigger businesses yeah. you know yeah. we have a relationship with our audience yeah um mm. and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing you know mm. because you can find the seo of a business at the end of an instagram account most mm-hmm. of the time mm. so sometimes <laughs> you can really be bombarded by people's opinions of what oh, you're doing okay. and things mm-hmm. like that that can mm. come in quite a negative way mm. um but I think it's good. I mean, it's it's the support for small business worldwide. I think has gone, has grown exponentially, like through lockdown, and it's amazing watching all these businesses kind of grow and small business actually getting a voice. Yeah. And. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you're doing an absolutely incredible job. Oh, thank um, you. But I want to go back a bit, like you said, when you talked about sustainable, um, or the word sustainable being thrown around by mm. different companies, <laughs> and you know we've seen the term green uh, greenwashing yeah mm. all over social media so could you just explain that term what does that mean and why is it so damaging really for the greenwashing is in its simplest form an excuse for pe- for massive corporations to make out that they're changing or doing a better job than they actually are so h&m oh this is our you know 
good range or yeah. I mean I don't know what they call it like mm. good for life or mm-hmm. this is organic cotton yeah and, yeah yeah um oh yeah like obviously like you know the you know 80 percent of our range is like really bad for the environment and sure we're not transparent about our production and there's a lot of problems but look at this organic <laughs> cotton t-shirt and that's the kind of issue where it's like they're kind of greenwashing and people call it greenwashing because green eco you know they're relating it to the planet essentially but like it's just much bigger corporations desperately tr- clutching at straws and trying to make out that they're doing a better job by bringing out a range of su- supposedly more sustainable clothing but they've got a lot of work to do mm. and that's the problem and it's happening all the time i mean it's literally so many brands now are kind of bringing out their and it's i mean in a way it's good it's like good good for you mm. this is good that this is organic cotton yeah it's really good it's good that you're trying to do a better job but it's bigger than that and things need to change at the very core and they need to start making massive changes to the way that they're producing clothes and um and they get more than anything i think garment workers because exactly. you're still using the same garment workers that you're barely paying to produce these organic cotton t-shirts you know it all has to start from within i think with these mm. companies yeah it's like the same thing um when they print t-shirts where it says like feminist i'm a Ooh. feminist and like who actually made your clothes and yeah it's, did it's, they get paid because <laughs> it's, it's i know it's ironic isn't mm, it yeah, yeah really yeah. ironic and that's how i think yeah like um climate change and feminism is so linked together as well mm-hmm. um so again what you mentioned about like being an ethical brand is so important as well so Mm. i just want to hear your opinion about like how feminism and climate change and sustainability is connected well that's why our friends say fashion is a feminist issue isn't it Mm -hmm. Mm. um and it is i mean predominantly when that's when i mean you look at companies like boohoo i think are probably a really good example where fashion is really a feminist feminist issue because it's a predominant female brand that started off, I mean, I know it has menswear now, but um, it started off producing women's wear and at a huge rate and for next to nothing. And uh, the majority of the people that work for this brand are women, mm. refugees in this country that are being mistreated, uh, practically made slaves, mm. you know, put in camps where they have no communication, where they don't speak the language over here, where they're paid next to nothing. And if you call yourself a feminist and you wear boohoo, you're a fucking moron. Mm, mm. You star. How can you? How can you claim to have any? I don't know. It just actually makes me really upset thinking about it. But like, mm. how can you claim to care about women and the rights of women if you're buying from a brand that literally? Yeah enslaves women into making these clothes it's just crazy and this person you know and and that's why it's a feminine feminist issue i mean you know it, it can be applied to other areas as well but at the end of the day like women's rights there's still such a huge problem with it you know yeah. like it, in so many different as- aspects of like you know, the industry, like you can be really high up working under Philip Green and have still have the same issues where, you know, you're not being treated with the same respect, you're not being paid as much, like, you know, across the board, like, it's an issue. Um, 
yeah it's really important that you educate yourself because i feel like a lot of people don't know all of this about mm. what you say now with the camps in the uk as well yeah i think that's really important to stress that it's not just uh, an issue in like across yeah, the world it's up or, north yeah. yeah it's in this mm. country mm. Mm. i think it's like near leeds or something okay mm. it's insane yeah and this man this mm. fucking moron that's mm. sat, sat at the head of boohoo that's al- allowing this all to happen and he's not you know he's, he's quite a young guy as well mm. yeah i've seen him all over instagram in the last couple of yeah. days actually. yeah yeah mm. i've been posting about a lot on il Canerni, but mm. it's like you should be doing better it, you're not old school mm. you know i always like joke about the fact that sam was raised by an old school man because his dad's a really traditional you know indian businessman and you know that Sam had like there's some ways with Sam that I feel like he could be a bit more like modern in his approach to business that's one thing but this guy he's a modern man he's like a young modern man that could be really representing men in a really positive way and instead he is disrespecting mistreating enslaving women mm. in this country yeah. and our country's not doing anything about it mm. it's crazy mm. and it's like if we can't even fix what's going on in our, in our own backyard in this country how are we supposed to help everywhere else yeah like it's just crazy the more you think about it like the more crazy it gets the more upsetting it is yeah yeah, definitely. But like thinking if you if you just started to think about sustainability right now, mm. I think one key thing is looking at uh, the price of clothes, obviously. Um, yeah. And again, talking about like who, who made these and if something's really, really cheap, how, how will, uh, you know, how, how does the production look like? Yeah, and, I get asked a lot about my price point because Ilkhanani is certainly not cheap, you know. Mm. In terms of sustainable fashion, it might shock some people it's at the lower end of the price mm-hmm. point but you know i i'm charged from sam the same amount that it would cost to go and buy a dress you know in somewhere like Topshop or zara mm. that's how much he charges me to you know to stitch one of these things and then on top of that is the cost of fabric it's the mm-hmm. shipping it's you know it's everything else that goes into actually manufacturing something so when i actually when it comes to pricing things and you know, taking lots of things into consideration, you end up with a higher price point. But, I mean, it's really quite simple. It's more because we pay more, because our garment workers are getting paid more money. Mm. Because the whole chain, and it is a chain of, you know, it's a system. Everyone in the chain and the system is being taken care of. And if that means we have to charge more, then that's what we're doing. We we charge more. Mm. You know, I've been running this business for, I mean, Ilkanani has existed as a company for since 2018 when mm. I first came back from India actually the business was under a different name and oh, okay I mean I'll go back into that another time but <laughs> I had to take a break and sort of relaunch the business but um I've lost my train of thought now you were <laughs> talking about like the collaboration with Sam and why it's a bit more expensive yeah so um yeah I mean it is it is more expensive but I mean yeah that's what I was saying I've been running this business I've been trying to look, you know, get this business off the ground for the best part of four years. Ilkanani has existed for two years, almost three, three, three years. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my maths is terrible. <laughs> and I'm still not at a stage where I can pay myself. And I got really aggressively attacked by this girl on Instagram the other day who 
really went in on the price point of the clothes and you know um, accused you know us of ripping people off and then claimed she had a business degree and somehow you know that she she had some kind of understanding of what it was to run a business and it kind of really blew my mind because it's like to this day I still don't take a proper wage from Ilkenerney you know mm. I'm still not able to pay myself I can pay my staff but it's such a long process and people mm. think that you're you're charging this amount because you're trying to take advantage of them mm. and that's the problem it's like we're so people aren't educated enough in understanding like why why clothes are how much they are in places like Primark compared to small businesses mm. you know if you're paying a small business for something your money is already going to be invested in in the people in that business as yeah. opposed to like a huge corporation and also I think it's worth mentioning that uh, it's not like fast fashion so these no. you know your clothes are supposed to be with you for a really long time yeah. rather than just throwing it out and you know yeah. next, next season and exactly so it's an investment yeah. buy something once every few months rather mm. than once a week because yeah. you're still spending the same amount of money mm. just you know it's all about like people's relationship with clothes it's like disengaging and like trying to actually be more selective and mm. you know invest in the business mm. and and where the clothes have come from the people behind your clothes and yeah. everything else like it's about your relationship and your understanding of, of where those clothes are coming from. And and if you get that, then you don't mind paying the money, mm. I think. At the same time, I think it's quite ignorant to think that, you know, everyone can afford these the yeah. clothes. Because, yeah, exactly. like, and I've always said, you know, for me, it's it's people's attitudes towards fashion. It's your relationship with fashion and, and, and clothes. And, and your you know, and we all have it. You know, the addictive side to buying clothes. And, and um, you know, the the want to have new stuff in your wardrobe mm. but I think that that's the thing that we need to uh, uh, you know try and tackle is people's relationship with clothes mm. so if you you know if you're if you haven't got a lot of money and you know you're from a poor family but you see this top in Primark and you love it and you are going to wear it for me for years buy it mm. it's your relationship to that item of clothing yeah. it's like it's how you view it it's mm. that you know you can't just you can't just expect pe everyone to be able to buy into ethical fashion because it's not um, financially sustainable for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned that yeah. actually because uh, this as well on on social media there's been loads of shaming, but it's so important to to understand your privilege and, and just see that not everyone can afford it. I'd never shame someone from buying something from Topshop mm. or um, I don't know Zara or something if they genuinely were investing in it for the right reasons. Mm. Um, I just don't think it's realistic to expect that from people. Yeah. And the thing is, until the attitude is changed towards fashion, mm. until the bar is hired, you know, until the standards are hired, so that everyone across the board are paying their garment workers more, mm. it's only then that we're all going to kind of more be on a level. Yeah. If everybody else is kind of trying to set themselves to the same standards then everything will flatten out but mm. at the moment we're always going to look like the more expensive thing because we're the people that are trying to do better and yeah. charging more and paying people more paying our garment workers more there's al it's always going to be an issue if you've got people like boohoo who 
are paying their workers three two pounds fifty an hour. Exactly, and I think that's really important to say as well. Like the pressure should be on the companies and not maybe just so much about the individuals who who buys from them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have to change people's attitude towards fashion, as you said. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but then also put the pressure on the actual company and who owns it and what can they do. And to our change bloody it. governments, mm-hmm. you know. Our government need to be more involved in this as well. It's the whole thing, like it's the whole connection, really. It's it's a it's a frustrating place to sort of still find ourselves in. Yeah, and I want to mention as well that um, buying secondhand, uh, mm. it can you know that's a really good solution. I think if you don't have that much money. Absolutely. Charity shops and stuff. Yeah. Charity shops, places like Depop are great. I still think you can be wasteful on Depop and buy a ton of stuff just because mm-hmm. it's there and it's cheap. Yeah. Again, that's the whole mindset thing. But you know, fashion becoming a more circular thing mm. is is good. But you know, we uh, we still just need to address our relationship, even with buying clothes from a charity shop. But at least it's it is still that circular thing, a hundred percent. Yeah. And there's nothing more satisfying than finding something vintage or secondhand yeah. that you love. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. I remember that from being younger, who I predominantly for years just wore vintage clothing. Yeah. Um, just that satisfying feeling when you find something amazing that's secondhand. It's it's second to none really. Mm. And it's so much fun. Yeah, it is a hundred percent and you know styling it and and altering it i used to alter a lot of pieces as well okay and it's just i mean it's creative isn't it it's fun it's interesting it's like it's it's always more fun i think Mm. buying secondhand pieces and and thinking about how you're going to style them and stuff like that yeah it's really fun so i think i don't know i just yeah i think i think things are changing for the better a hundred percent and it's really really great to see and it's seeing like I feel like I've been sort of tooting this horn for a while now, just about sustainability, and it's nice to actually see friends of mine for the first time ever being like, "Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't buy from there," or, mm. or do you know, being a, just a bit more thoughtful about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. But we talked about the importance of educating yourselves. So I just wanted to ask, do you have like any tips on books to read or podcasts to listen to, or? Oh god, I'm terrible at podcasts. Oh yeah, I listen to Jamelia Jamil's "I Weigh" and that's about it. Well, that's a, a, <laughs> an amazing one, and I actually listened to uh, the episode with Jane Fonda. Have you heard that? Mm, yeah, mm, they talk a lot about sustainability mm. uh, and as well like the uh, correlation between feminism and sustainability. Yeah, so, it's really cool. I mean, mm. that podcast in general is just really great space mm-hmm. to kind of yeah, you know, if you're feeling a bit rubbish or. You need some feminism, some positive mm. inspiration. Here's some strong women having some great discussions. It's such a brilliant podcast. Yeah. So honest and they show vulnerability and it's, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Jamelia is amazing. Mm. Um, I have a lot of business books. I'm just staring at them actually currently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, the problem with running a business is that I never have time for myself. Mm. And I also feel like I don't make enough time for myself. I think there's always that issue where you just never fully disconnect, you never really switch off. Um, and actually, I bought all these amazing books last year that I was encouraged to buy by Grace Be- Beverly, because um, mm-hmm. I was chatting to her a bit last year, she's lovely. And I bought all these books, 
read one and a half. I've still got four to go. Mm-hmm. I bought another book that arrived yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in terms of like educating yourself, there's nothing better than looking at other sustainable brands, like really looking at brands and what they're saying okay. and their voice. Mm. There are some amazing content out there now in the sort of web universe where with amazing articles and blogs and it's not hard to actually educate yourselves on sustainability mm. um you know there's amazing documentaries now and you know there's been some really great documentaries and you know even just things on global warming and yeah on that note have you mm. seen the the latest one with uh, greta thunberg i haven't actually BBC. no it's so so she's good. incredible google her mm, mm. you know like there are these incredible people out there and this is another thing because i feel so passionate about so much of this and i'm so absorbed in my business and just mm. trying to make it work and function yeah. and, and flourish mm. that i still don't have enough time for activism and all this other stuff and you know educating you know reading books mm-hmm. listening to podcasts um all this other stuff um yeah well i highly recommend that it's uh three pieces on bbc now um, amazing she's so, so incredible yeah. isn't she mm. so amazing yeah that's it there's just some i mean it's it's really accessible that it's mm. not hard to kind of educate yourself but you know you have to actually want to as well and yeah. sometimes it's a it, it's it's a journey mm. like you not everyone's going to throw themselves into it straight away but i think it, it like the just the even from just learning like a really small about about like sustainability and its links to fashion and feminism it will really change your mindset on like yeah. the way that you buy mm. and your relationship to fashion and various other things and the planet yeah yeah definitely there's a lot of like um resources out there and obviously follow you Ilkanani, on instagram mm. and um subscribe to their or to your newsletter oh, as well thank I you think that, that's a great resource and like i said I, i've uh, learned a lot via you so that's thank so you. nice to hear yeah. <laughs> thank you very much we try mm. <laughs> you're doing really well and i'm so glad that we got to sit down and talk to all of uh, all about this because i know um there's a lot of listeners who really wanted to hear you your opinion about oh, this oh really yeah yeah definitely oh, that's amazing so, yeah thank that's you so nice thank <laughs> you With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.